Uh, you've got some questions and uh, you ask them via the response slip or online and uh, there are a total of six of them and the first one is this one. What were the unclean foods that Peter didn't want to eat? Now remember we are looking at the passage from last week in the book of Acts. Well, it said in his dream that there was a sheet, a big tablecloth from heaven that came down and, and to quote the Bible it said it contained all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds. And these would have been some of the many foods that the Old Testament people of God were not allowed to eat. Uh, if you wanted to, I was going to actually read out the bit of the Bible that lists them all, but we probably would be late for dinner, uh, no pun intended, um, because it's a long, long list in Leviticus chapter 11, but they include things like pork products and a whole lot of shellfish and seafood and things like that. Lots of things that we'd like to eat and other things too that you may not be inclined to eat, but nonetheless, they are there. What, one interesting thing is uh, that there is a, uh, a tradition amongst Judaism that they don't eat dairy products and meat at the same time. And part of that, when you're over in Israel, uh, is it, because it, it's not proper to have a woman, a, 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 um, an animal cooked in its mother's milk. So that's the reason that they're supposed to be separate from each other. So when you go to McDonald's, in Israel, like we did one night, um, you go up and you order a Big Mac and a soft serve ice cream. And they say, well, we, we can't do that. Oh, right. Well, how do you do it? Well, uh, okay, simply, you order your Big Mac and your fries, and then you pay for it in your credit card, you give it in a bag, and then you order your thick shake or your ice cream, and it comes as a separate thing, you put it as a second transaction, and away you go, and you walk away with your milk, and your meat separate to each other. There you go. That wasn't what the question was asking, but, but there are a whole lot of rules that were around that said you had to eat certain foods and not other foods, because otherwise it will put you unclean before God. The second follow-up question is, uh, what, um, why don't Christians avoid unclean foods? Well, why is it that we are not the same as the Old Testament people? So there are a number of reasons. One is that Jesus basically just said uh, in Mark chapter 7, he said, food doesn't go into your heart but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. So Jesus said that early on in his ministry. And then we had the stuff last week where it was very clear that for the gospel to go out to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, it meant that the Jews needed to hang out with people who ate funny food, and which is us, we're the Gentiles, and so the barriers were broken down. But also, as you look and see the way that Jesus fulfilled all of the stuff in the Old Testament, you'll see that certain regulations like the food regulations and the way that the temple worked and a whole lot of other things were fulfilled in Jesus. And so we don't need to have those same laws today because Jesus himself has said, don't worry about it. But more than that, it's because he in himself has now broken down those barriers and has now made all things clean by his death and his resurrection. The best place to go to any of this stuff to try and work out how the Old Testament fits in with the New Testament is the book of Hebrews. And uh, in, in two weeks' time, Trevor's going to be giving us our next exciting episode from the book of Hebrews. But if you ever want to sit down and just have a bit of a read for how does, why don't we have a temple? Why don't we have priests? Why don't we have sacrifices? Why don't we have funny foods and, or not have funny foods? Or what, what's the deal with all of that? Hebrews is your go-to book. It's a great little read. Question three. 
Why did Gentiles believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but not many Jews? Well, it is true that many Gentiles did believe, but many didn't. And many Jews didn't, but some did. Uh, it seems in both situations that there were people who, who should have recognised Jesus as the Messiah and immediately followed him. Certainly the Jews. He came to those who were, were his own, we read in the Bible, but his own did not acknowledge him. And so they rejected him when they really naturally should have accepted him, surely. But why did the Jews not accept Jesus as the Messiah in big number? Why didn't they all accept him that way? I think it's because they had in their mind an idea of exactly what they thought a Messiah would be like. And they thought of the Old Testament kings of God's people and they said these are people who were mighty in battle and they had a particular kingdom and all this kind of stuff that was physical and they, they led God's people in that way. And they thought the next guy who comes along and is the true Messiah will be just like that. Then Jesus comes along and he says, actually, my kingdom is not of this earth. And he says that his kingdom is actually a spiritual kingdom. And the way in which the kingdom extends is different to the way it extended in the Old Testament, where you went around and you had physical wars because you had a military king. Now we have a king whose act is not a physical act of violence to, to kill the enemies. He's actually he's praying for the enemies and including the enemies because of his death on the cross. So it's, they didn't expect that kind of Messiah. Then they got that Messiah, and it's like, aha, for many of them. And for many of them, it's like, we don't re believe it, we reject it. Question four. What happens when a Christian dies and goes through judgment? Well, the Bible tells us that judgment day is in the future. It's when Jesus comes back at the end of time. So that is something that is still going to happen in due course. It might happen tonight, it might happen in a thousand years, who knows when, but that's judgment day that is coming. In the meantime, all people are in the place of the dead awaiting judgment. Uh, those who are friends with Jesus, it's a blissful wait. And I think that's what the paradise was that Jesus spoke of when he said to the criminal on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. The criminal dies, he's in the place of the dead, and he's so excited because he's looking forward to the judgment day when he will be seen to be righteous, um, even though he is already righteous in God's sight because of the death of Christ. At the same time, those who are um, prior to that, who, those who are not friends with Jesus, for them it is a place of terror, I must say. It's a little bit like the rich man who ignored Lazarus. I think that's a key go-to point here, that they are both in the place of the dead. And in that place, one is in joy, one is in terror, waiting for that final judgment. When that final judgment comes, that will be the time when, as we say in our creed, Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead... And that is when the time will come when those who are friends with Christ now will be vindicated, will say, yes, this is the right thing to do to follow Jesus. And those who have rejected Jesus on earth will finally get to the point when they, they, will, they will be then punished to go to hell at the end of that time. Question five, two to come. Did Tabitha briefly go to heaven after she died before she came back to life? Uh, I deliberately put that question after the one before. I could put them in any order. but Because I think what happened with Tabitha, that's the lady who died last week, and she then was dead for a short while. Peter went in and said, get up, and she did. And eyes popped open and away she was. She was alive again. I assume she went to the place of the dead, was in paradise with Jesus very briefly, and then Jesus called her back to life on earth 
And so she was brought back to life at that point. She did what she was told. When Jesus tells you to come back to life, you do what you're told. Question six, did people in the Bible days have pets? That's a very interesting question. I think there's a context to this because of all of the animals, the unclean animals and the eating of things and so on. All right. Well, for starters, it's worth realising that dogs were not really well-liked in the time of the Bible, generally speaking. Um, they were usually wild and they were unclean. And so if someone wanted to say something rude to somebody, they'd probably call them a dog. You dog. Oh, that's a bit rough. So dogs weren't really considered that positively. But are there times in the Bible where animals are considered positively, like companion animals? Well, well, check this verse out. I love this one. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 3. And it's about a, um, a particular man. This poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. Oh, I think it sounds like a pet, don't you think? Uh, you remember about oh, three or four months ago, Cameron Jones came out from Ireland and he talked about sheep and shepherds and he talked about his father in the law who, who only had a handful of sheep, but he knew them by name and he, he shepherded them. And there was that, that kind of nice relationship between them. I, I think that that is a, a sign that there were companion animals in that time. Uh, in fact, apparently, archaeologists say that they've found things like an animal collars in certain places, which suggest that some people in animal days had other pets. So there you go. Fascinating story, but probably for you dog lovers, for we dog lovers, um, dogs were not really in, but now they are, so that's nice. And cats too, apparently, so there you go.